Hey everybody, it's Ian King, athlete advocate, coach, educator, and founder of King Sports International. And today we have the honor of chatting with young Australian physical preparation coach Liam Keats. Liam, what I really like about you is your background, uh, your passion for your, your particular genre in sport. So let's get tucked into that a little bit. Um, and you're about to step up to level five in the coaching program. So you've been with us for a while. How many years roughly have you been exposed to KSI material for now? I think my first exposure, Ian, was in around 2019 to your material. So, so just before COVID? Just before COVID, yeah. So did and you run away during COVID like some did or did you step up during COVID? No, I got I, I got more. Uh, I stepped up more, I think. I um, made some changes and, yeah, went on the journey for, you know, professional development and personal development and decided that I, um, yeah, was ready to take any direction in life. So what was your industry role at the time that you decided to uh, you know, look at KSI? Uh, at the time, I was working at a, a local boxing gym with um, Paul Briggs and was assisting him with um, coaching and um, helping the athletes in the gym, so... That's where it started for me around, yeah, 2018, 2019. And so prior to that, like when did, when did your entry into the physical preparation industry begin and, and, and how and why? Um, it probably started for me more as an athlete, Ian. That was 2019 was my start professionally. So um, my athletic career started in, in like most in high school um, where I played a little bit of everything, really, basketball, soccer, volleyball. Um, and then from high school, I went, uh, into, after I finished high school, I started boxing at a local boxing gym and, uh, really enjoyed the sport and enjoyed the, um, the personal development that came with the sport and, um, the challenge and the community as well. And then as I went into my, uh, 18, 19, I competed, um, locally as a amateur boxer. And then um, was faced with a few challenges in my shoulder that um, sort of was the start of when I started looking for a better way, better way to train, better way. And, yeah. So that just brings up the the, the, the association or the passion you have for boxing. And I know at the moment your, your own facility has a, a boxing focus. Um, yeah. You know, you obviously, you obviously love the – the science, the boxing, the the, the gentle craft, the, the different things it gets called, but uh, it's certainly risen in popularity of boxing. I mean, a lot of the combat sports are rising in popularity, but there are many, many new ways of doing boxing, providing boxing to the community uh, these days, a lot of different franchises, etc. Yeah, absolutely. It's, it's definitely rising in popularity and it isn't going anywhere. Um, yeah. Which is quite ironic because at amateur boxing level in Australia back in the 1990s, they were talking about banning banning fighters over 35 years old. And now it's gone pretty much the, um, you know, the, it was, the support for it uh, was running low because of the, the, the potential, um, you know, brain risks. But now it's certainly flipped around and become incredibly popular. And that's been a big part of your involvement in the industry to date, um, I, I, I really value a sport-focused approach to physical preparation. 
how, how do you find it works uh, with the average person? Uh, I'm assuming a lot of people come into the training facilities you're working in now or you've worked in the past. They're not coming there to be a competitive boxer per se. They're coming there to, to get fit and maybe get a bit of confidence. Is, is, is that how, how it works? Yeah, that's right, Ian. A lot, a lot of the clients I work with and uh, general public, you know, they're looking for a way to, um, you know, let off some steam or, you know, take a different focus off work maybe and um, get in shape or learn a learn a new skill or a, a new craft. So, yeah, a lot of general population, um, uh, particularly younger younger men would be the dominant uh Dominant demographic coming through my facility. Excellent. So, you, as I understand it, you're you were born in the land of the long white cloud. Is that correct? Yes, that's correct. Cross Christchurch in the South Island. Okay, Canterbury. Canterbury. The mighty yes. crusaders. Mighty crusaders aren't they a phenomenal example of stability in a franchise? Um, they're, they're my poster child for maintaining um, winning. So very few teams can maintain winning. There's a great saying, win, it, it's easy to become a champion. It's much harder to stay a champion. And they're one of the few franchises globally that have been able to stay dominant, uh, which which is a really good positive reflection on the culture that they, I believe they have within their organisation. Because mm -hmm. it's, uh, as soon as you become popular, everybody wants to kill the goose that laid the golden egg and get a bit for themselves. Certainly um, happened happened extensively in Australian rugby, uh, particularly in Queensland. Um, but you know that's another story. We won't go down the rabbit hole of rugby because there's enough people down that rabbit hole. Um, mm. So, what would what would your life look like if you'd been back in New Zealand now instead of being in Australia? Would it be the same? Oh, it definitely wouldn't be the same. Uh, but yeah, I'm not I'm not too sure. I think I would have eventually relocated anyway. Ian, once I once I did a bit of traveling and realized that there was more than a than a long white cloud when you look up, I would have moved out pretty quick, I think. So um to find myself here on the east coast of Australia, I'm definitely uh grateful that the weather over here is amazing, the lifestyle's great. Um yeah, we're quite lucky on this this side of the uh the globe. It's a beautiful country, New Zealand, but for some reason uh, New Zealanders keep uh, migrating to Australia. So there's obviously a reason for that. Um, talking about the East Coast, I, I've got some reservations about the upside of an athlete living on the coast. Uh, I haven't seen a lot of sporting success um, from Gold Coast-based franchises. Do you have a – is that an issue for yourself or the clients you work with or is that a challenge that you see or you're just so used to living, you know, within a five-minute drive of the beach that it doesn't matter? Sorry, say the question again, Ian. So I, I have a lot of – Concerns about lifestyle on the coast there and how that works with elite sport. Um, mm. I spent quite a few years working um, in uh, in VFL within AFL um, uh, with the new franchise of the Brisbane Bears before they become the Lions and they were they moved to the Gold Coast pretty quickly. But what I'm saying is that it's it's tough for a franchise based upon statistics for to succeed on the Gold Coast due to the distractions. Is that something that you struggle with or your clients struggle with? Uh, yeah, I'm not too sure, Ian. I haven't I haven't looked at it that way before, but it's definitely a possibility. I think um, with the the lifestyle and yeah, having the beach there, 
walk down the front door, out the front door, surfboard under the arm, is that, that sort of uh, lifestyle. And then, yeah. Yeah, you're used to it, so you probably wouldn't notice the differences as much. So, so the other thing that intrigues me about you, Liam, is, is your, your occupational background. We all, all have had diverse careers, and I, I, I enjoy supporting people transitioning from different careers into uh, physical preparation uh, because it's a, it is a, it's, it's, it's a great occupation if you're passionate about it and, and you develop your own niche. Um, I don't think it's as great an occupation if, you're, uh, if you can't find a way to get ahead or enjoy what you're doing. Uh, and therefore, a lot of people end up, you know, leaving the industry and going and going finding another career path from physical preparation. But you're transitioning into physical preparation, so um, was it was, and, and that's from a from a trade background, uh, you know, for in, in the construction industry, I believe, or, or similar. Um, was the transition difficult for you, or was it pretty seamless? Uh, it was a it was an interesting transition. In the early stages, it was. It was big hours because I'd be on the tools Monday to Friday, sometimes Saturdays for anywhere between eight and 10 hours. And then after that, I'd be at the gym coaching classes and um, learning learning as much as I could because I, um, I I was really passionate about it and really keen to um, get into the industry and do something I uh, felt I would be able to make an impact in. So, it, yeah, it was, it was an interesting transition, but... Um, yeah, it just I was hungry and I and I did what I had to do. Well, let me ask you from a different perspective. There's a number of ways to get in the industry. Um, you know, there's the continual elevation of the the value placed on higher education. Uh, you know, there are roles in, in in some countries where you just about have to have a PhD just to get a job. Um, did Did you find any any resistance or pushback, or was there any uh, challenges? That you didn't come from the ivory tower. No, the environment I was in it, it, it wasn't really. Um, you're talking about uh, nationally recognised training, Ian. Well, it, it, any any form of you know any form of client pushback saying you know what's your qualifications is, is that a thing or not really? Yeah, no. People are people have asked me before after I've helped them with something. You know, you know, did you go to university or did you do this and um. And I, I'm, I'm sure a lot of people do um, trust people with those qualifications and, and have that that belief. Um, but it hasn't been a, an issue for me. Um, so um, yeah, it's 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 good, good to see. So when they did ask you, was it because they're so impressed with what you were doing, or for other reasons? I I think it was because I definitely left an impact in um, a positive one. So, yeah, I yeah I I perceived it to be a positive. Excellent. And, well, yeah. post case, I, I I can only assume it was. Um, so, again, when people come in the industry, no matter what path they come in, whether it's from a formal education or from an industry based education, they often come in with a number of certifications or courses or degrees or whatever, and. The cup's pretty full. They've 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 got certain ideas. Um, would you say you came in the industry with your cup was pretty full, or was your cup pretty empty? My cup was pretty empty, Ian. Yeah, I the only material I really started reading and the influences that I had were mostly started with yourself. So, yeah, I, my cup my cup was very much empty. Oh, good. That may explain why you're such a great student. So you didn't have to 
you didn't have to um, dump the dogma uh, and, and, and think um, critically for yourself. Yeah, definitely. Well, yeah, that's, made, that's, that's, that's good, Liam, because... It did make a big difference, yeah. Absolutely. From my in, entrance as a coach educator in the early 1980s, within, within 20 years, by the t- turn of the century, there certainly a big change. Every, every, with the internet, everybody became an expert and... Um, you know, there's some pretty uh, strong thoughts about uh, you got to do it this way. Um, but, uh, you know, when I came in, there was very little and I had to work it out and work it out based upon cause-effect relationships. And mm. and I'd, I'd like to think that you come in with that same influence and say, listen, um, you know, we don't necessarily know the answer, but if we apply uh, a, a safe approach and, and, and monitor the results, we can come to conclusions as to how the client is responding rather than being attached to, you know, well, this is the only way it's going to be done. Absolutely, Ian. Yeah, that I um, can definitely relate from the language you're speaking with the cause-effect relationship. It's, it's, a, it's a great principle that I've learned through KSI and, it, yeah. It, it's a it's an honest approach and you know you, you your athletes and your clients appreciate it a lot when you when you have the humility to say i don't know what's going to happen but we're going to find out and we're going to navigate through it so good stuff so the foundation of uh you know this, this scientific approach and we believe you can control the variables and and, and uh, be objective in your conclusions so I'm, I'm i'm very um strong on that approach rather than you know pretending we're science, scientific and but uh, being being dogmatic based upon other influences. Mm. Good stuff. So if you had a choice, would you prefer to work with boxers or would you prefer to work with other athletes or general and or general pop? What what what's your what's your go to? Um I, I do I enjoy working with all athletes, Ian. Um just because of their their high level of commitment. And when you put a program together and you want to keep that program running and 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 you know help them achieve their goal, it's when you've got a higher level of commitment from an athlete, it's a bit more rewarding with the when you when you get there. Um, but I enjoy working with anyone who has a high level of commitment, be it general population, athletes or boxers. So I um yeah, yeah all, all all three for sure. Yeah, it's always a lot reward a lot more rewarding when the stakes are higher. And you know, what I like is you come in from the you know, the influence that I've come in from. I came in from the a sporting background. I'm not talking about my own sports because I never always downplay them, but I talk about the the sports of the people I've worked with and, and put them first. Um, and we we look at we look through the eyes of the athlete. We look at training through the eyes of the athlete. We're not here to to develop a, a X Y Z body that looks good in a, you know on the beach. We're here to 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 get the scoreboard ticking over in our favour. And uh, it's quite ironic, even in boxing, um, when you see high level boxers. Um, you see they put boxing first. When you see lower level boxers, you can see they put their low carb uh, low carb diets first. Um, you know, it's 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 what they look like uh, when they're pretending to be a boxer. Whereas, you know, there's no focus on buff with most um, boxers. They're more concerned about uh, you know in, in, in how, how, how many points the judges are giving them or knockouts or whatever, and that's got nothing to do with the shape of your body. Um, mm-hmm. Generally speaking, you know, it's it's. Uh, yeah, there's a lot more to sport than what you look like, which is a beautiful thing. Um, uh, but unfortunately, uh, that, that body beautiful influence is winning. It's tough to watch uh, even the rise of female sport, um, watching the, the, the female group, age group 18 to 28 run around the paddock and seeing the inappropriate muscle development on them that's just shortening their careers. But that's, you know, I, I digress again. Um, you know, I'd rather pref- I prefer to see an athlete focus on what they need to do to win. Um, not the misguided belief that 
that there's a stereotypical physical approach. And boy, geez, that, that even crept into swimming post 2000. That's another story in itself. And uh, that's an, it's an infestation in Australian swimming that I'm hoping hasn't spread to other countries, but who knows? Uh, anyway, again, I digress in different sports. So we've got other coaches on the line. Um, I hope we might have a question for young Liam. Is um, I've got a one or two more to have with Liam, but if anyone else want to jump in. Yeah, I do. Um, Liam, you, you mentioned that you you, you prefer to like with uh, to work um, with athletes that are high committed, and um, this is this is a trait actually that I see in you too. So you're a high committed person. That is literally what the personal development um, what personal development teaches us: be, do, have. In order to have uh, high committed clients, you have to be committed yourself. Um, you you are. You were committed uh, in August to come to the camp. To the, um, I, I guess this was your first camp. So you traveled overseas. Was it actually your first trip to the US too? Uh, yes, it was my first trip to the US, um, not including a family vacation to Hawaii. Yeah. And how was, how was um, your experience in the US and, and especially the KSI camp? Can you tell us more about that? Um, yeah, for, for me, I, I get a lot of value when I go to a, and I'm sure a lot of, a lot of coaches can relate to this when I go to a different location and put myself in a different environment. Um, and you, with the coat, with the camp, you don't know, you have a general idea of what's going to happen, but every day you don't know what you're going to be doing. So it's, you're really going in with a, a clean slate and, um, I really enjoy that. I really enjoy that that challenge and being in that environment and being in a different country. I get a lot of it, a lot out of that, a lot of growth. So, yeah, I'm I'm a big fan of going to different locations to to learn because it's easy, it's easy for me to get comfortable in my own gym as well as we could all probably relate. Yeah, so. absolutely. And then meeting all the other KSI coaches and all the other cultures. Yeah, that's that's a really a real highlight of the experience as well, Dave. Going going over there and meeting all the other coaches, um, you know, learning how learning about different cultures and you know different foods that people from those different cultures eat, and um, you know, it's it's really interesting, really interesting. Well, it's an uh, it's an experience that not a lot of people have and and will have, and again, that shows your commitment. So. Uh... Yeah, it was great to see you there. Thanks, Dave. Appreciate that. I'll see you there next year. Absolutely. Thanks, Liam. Yeah, that was a great comment, Liam, about uh, working in different locations. People often ask me, you know, wh where do you where do you train your athletes? And I say, well, wherever they're training, because uh, the reality is most internationally um, competitive athletes are only in their own domestic country for a limited period of time of the year, and. They could be training in 20, 30 different locations in any given calendar year. So there is no such place, generally speaking, as, you know, where you train for um, international athletes. So, you know, they, they might have an off-season base, but that's about as good as it gets. And we've had the pleasure of working with athletes uh, everywhere. And that's what we provide our, our coaches. You know, over time, every, every coach in the program here has been to multiple camps can attest to the diversity of experiences when you actually work with athletes. Hopefully, they just don't want to live in the gym. Hopefully, they want to get out and, and, and play their sport. They want to 
um, develop their craft, etc., uh, etc. Et and even even when they do their recovery work, hopefully they want to do it in nature. So we just mm. have a very different approach. So I would prefer to be outside in the in the in the, in the natural environment than uh, in four walls. But obviously the time and place for everything, but certainly not not the um, Basically, strength and conditioning approach where we think 50% of the training time occurs in the gym. Great question, Dave. And I was going to ask him about his experience at camp because he, he has separated himself from many by attending that event. And it is a unique event, as you know. Been there a few times. Liam, so you were competing in boxing. Is that something that you are going to pursue competitively as well in the near future? Uh, no, I haven't competed for a few years, Vic, but I'm more committed to um, coaching now than than being an athlete. But um, you never say never um, when it comes to – I do have a, a small interest to um, compete again that I, um, yeah, will probably jump in again at some point before I get – before it's too late. Still very young. <laughs> we just, yeah, we 20, just... 28 years in January, Vic. So I, I'm very much a, a puppy still. Plenty of time. And if I remember correctly, when you competed, there was pre-KSI days, right? Say again, sorry? So when you competed, there was pre-KSI uh, days that you were... Yes. You yeah. Yeah, so yeah, it will just exactly. be interesting to see how, how it goes if you do jump in again and now you're equipped with the KSI knowledge. Yes, that, that is, that's the main reason why I do want to get back in and have another competition. Yeah, but it's um the, the KSI the KSI approach has made significant changes with some of the athletes I've worked with, and that's coming from them, not from me. Um they're very a, a very grateful to um be KSI athletes. So um yeah, it's it's rewarding for them and it's rewarding for um us as coaches too. Getting superior getting superior results. Hey, Luke, Mike, stop, well, that's, that's for Liam and I have got in common, twenty eight years of age. Sorry, yeah. Mike, go ahead. <laughs> no, uh, you definitely have 28 years of age, as do I. Uh, <laughs> um, yeah, Liam, that's the you're you're, uh, you're younger than my daughter, in fact. So, um, but actually, about the camp, you know, I, I actually I really appreciate your uh, your dedication to the literature, you know, and preparing, and obviously, there's a a lot of KSI publications. Um, and I definitely respect anybody that digs into the the, the KSI publications because they're not easy to find. Um, they're available, certainly, but they're not easy to find. And you you found them. But what are your thoughts uh, after doing the research that you've done and reading the material you were exposed to compared to what you witnessed and what you experienced personally at camp? So. So how how did they um what I'd what I'd learned before with KSI how did it affect when I came to a camp? Well, more like what did you read? Mm. How you compared your your sort of intellectual 
knowledge of uh you know the the systems and the theories and and innovations yeah you know in print or maybe even digital yeah compared to uh seeing it live experiencing it live yeah um it's definitely more powerful seeing it live for sure like being able to um you know do some of the exercises and see even some of the stretches and that in person as opposed to you know watching in video um i I do value the videos and the the um intellectual um i guess the uh dlm the courses online i do value that a lot but it really doesn't compare being in to being in person um and learning that way from you know other coaches so um but yeah both both have a lot of value and have uh, a place in the the ksi education system right on did you learn anything about winning and losing yeah i did i did i took some good lessons away from about culture um from the the winning and losing lessons um yeah and I felt like um, some of those lessons I was able to implement in my um, in my own training environment straight away. So oh, yeah, um, I definitely really valued that. And then doing the winning and losing with Ian for the NRL season 2023, um, that, that had a lot of value too, a lot of value to understanding winning and losing and, and cultural. Yeah, very cool. Oh. Yeah. It's fair to say it definitely bridges some gaps, yeah? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Good stuff. And Remy wants to know whether you're on the winning volleyball team because Remy tends to try and pick his team in advance because Remy's committed to staying on the the winning side of Ledger. He's got a record he's trying to maintain. So can you refresh our memories? Were you on the winning team or the not-so-winning team? Uh, I I was on the not-so-winning team. Oh, probably. Remy's probably scratched you. So, um, but yeah, Remy better watch out next year. I've been training. <laughs> That's the attitude. That's the attitude. <laughs> yes, yeah. we've um, we've enjoyed the French input. We've had to take some of the edges off it, but that 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 aside. Excellent, Liam. Um, coaches, any other thoughts? Anything want to exchange with Liam while we got him? Just uh, saying congrats to uh, Liam for the, his journey with PSI. Thanks, Remy. Yeah, it's always great to see someone step up and uh, because when, once you get on the road and come to the camps as you did, uh, you know, it is a whole new experience. You, you can't read that in a book. can't see that in a video. We, we do some stuff, uh, you know, fairly fairly dense days and fairly full. And believe me, as you go up the food chain of the of the coaching program is you're about to end up into level five for 2024 you're going to, going to get exposed to content that you didn't even know existed uh, there is more intellectual property behind closed doors than there is in public domain and you're going to start seeing that as you step up over and above the the real life experiences and coaching you've already had quite a few of this you've been on the you've been in real life sporting environments with me now i don't know probably double digit times getting close to um, doing live coaching with me um, which you know not everybody gets a chance to because you do live. Um, we are proximal at times of the year, so you know we get you out there in the, on the paddock, uh, as we say in Australia, and give you the opportunity. You've had some pretty big numbers of athletes in front of you as, in, in in one group as a result of that. Liam, what's your PB? Yeah, um, I think 
around 220, 230. That's a good experience, isn't it? Oh, it's a great experience, Ian. Yeah, I, I really enjoy that, actually. It's another one of my highlights of the year is the the C2K experiences. And you've had the, the rare opportunity, and we don't normally allow that till level five and above, or sorry, level six and above, really, you know, where, where you got to watch me coach live, and you probably would have a bit of an eye-opener at first. Yeah, absolutely, Ian. It's, um, yeah. I I haven't met a lot of coaches that I watch and I go, well, this person's really influential and impactful, and you're you're definitely up there with, you're definitely up there up the top to watch, just to see how quickly you get buy-in from the athlete and how quickly you make an impact. It's um, yeah. Who else would you want a role model? Yeah, it's 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 great to you appreciate that because we're here to make a difference and we're here to make a difference fast and and especially if the journey's a, a higher expectation we we've got a we've got a journey ahead of us so let's you know we want to get on the road and build the foundations and that's every aspect of the human um, as you know so it's um yeah it's in, it, it's it's intense and it's dense but uh, that's what that's what you do when you want to be the best in the world or the best in your in your in your craft whatever dude. Uh, the geographical area you want to dominate, and that's what we do. We help athletes be the best. Okay, well, appreciate your time, Liam. Uh, you know, we're we're really just warming up on this journey. You've got a big year coming up in 2024, and uh, talking here with these coaches who have been around the block with us for quite a few years. So you know, you can step up into their territory after 24 if you if you choose that direction. So there's a lot lot in front of you, and uh, we appreciate having you, person of your quality, coming into the program at the higher levels. Thanks, Ian, and thank you, everyone, for your time today for the uh, the interview. Look forward to a, a um, successful 2024 with everyone. Definitely going to be that.